1: this is the average conservationist podcast brought to you by outdoor class and in partner with two percent for conservation outdoor class is the new single source of premium outdoor education from trusted knowledgeable experts for hunters committed to improving their skills outdoor class is the only subscription-based e-learning platform that provides unlimited access to video lessons from the world's most respected experts covering topics across a hunter's entire journey learn from industry leaders like Corey jacobson Randy Newberg, Remy Warren, and other prominent personalities and organizations. Sign up today and use code AVERAGE to save 20%. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% What's Up, everybody, happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. All right, so we are rounding out org month and celebrating uh, Veterans Day uh, with this part two of our two part series with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Armed Forces Initiative. Um, Veterans Day is this Friday, um, so this is a great opportunity to really kind of tie a bow on both org month, uh, our tribute to veterans uh, over the last couple weeks. Um, so today uh, for part two, I'm bringing in Trevor Hubs. And Trevor is the director of the Armed Forces Initiative branch of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And Trevor and I really get to uh, kind of pick up right where DJ and I left off last week. Um, we further uh, dive into AFI. Um, get to really talk about, you know, the outdoors, Trevor's upbringing in the outdoors, um, you know, really what he as a director and as a big part of all of these different trips and outings that AFI is doing, you know, what he really takes away from from these events. We also get to uh, talk about some of the, the, the great partners and businesses that are uh, really going above and beyond to give back and really support the mission of AFI. And we also dive more into the uh, veteran side as it pertains to AFI, as opposed to DJ and I, where we talked a little bit more about the uh, active duty military and and the relocation and and how AFI is able to really help um, those uh, members of the military and armed forces um, stay, uh, stay active in the outdoors um, in their new uh, location and i think what's what's great about uh the conversation that we had that i have with trevor is the passion because you hear it you heard it with dj you hear it with trevor and It's it's one of those things that if I haven't said it enough, uh, you know, organizations, you know, like the ones that we've had on for the past six weeks um, and specifically, you know, these last two weeks with AFI, um, you know, these are just organizations that we should really be supporting, Um, you know, with the, the AFI, you know, for a lot of these veterans, it's giving them. Uh, a new mission, a new purpose. Um, and that's not to say that they didn't have one post um, their military career. But one thing that a lot of um, our veterans have in common is uh, the call to serve, the the need to, um, how do I want to put this, to to serve something bigger than themselves, uh, which they were absolutely 100% without a doubt doing um, during their time serving. And with AFI, they're really trying to, um, harness a lot of that that same passion, uh, that same need to serve, that call to serve, um, and just redirecting that into the world of conservation. Um, you know, both of these things are again serving something much bigger than you know just themselves. Whether it's protecting our country and our freedoms, or in AFI's case, protecting our wild places, our access to these wild places, habitat, and all that good stuff. So. It's uh I I can't I can't say it enough how how great and how much I love um organizations like this and the the mission that they have it's uh, it's one that especially after listening to to, to DJ and now Trevor speak uh, very easy to support very easy to get behind so episode one twenty seven with Trevor Hubs uh, enjoy everybody um, today's episode episode geez I can't even speak. Uh is going to be brought to you by my friends over at Hardside Hydration. Dane and Dustin, friends of mine, uh, also true backcountry hunters, uh, just complete outdoorsmen, um, have really been crushing it with the swig rig. Uh so if you're looking for a rugged and dependable hydration setup for the backcountry, you need to head over and visit hardsidehydration.com and check out their swig rig. And what the swig rig does is it converts a Nalgene bottle into your hydration setup. Now you may be thinking a Nalgene is already a hydration setup. True. But what this does is it takes the best of both worlds for hydration setups from the Nalgene bottle or the bladder that you carry in your pack. What it does is it takes the hose and that element of the bladder pairs it with the Nalgene bottle and boom, what you have is an option that's easy to clean easy to access and allows you that peace of mind that your hydration setup is not going to fail you in the backcountry. Also, if you like, uh, powdered drinks, anything like that, super easy to clean. As I mentioned, dump it in, take off the lid, dump it in, shake it up and away you go. So again, head over to hardsidehydration.com and pick up your swig rig today. All right, Trevor, good morning. Welcome to the show, man. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. How are you today?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. I, uh, (laughs) <laughs> we had some te- technical difficulties we had to overcome here. Um, thankfully, like, as we just talked about, it wasn't uh, halfway through; it was only like two minutes in, so we had to we had to start over. But as I was saying uh, originally, not, I'm excited that we can kind of continue this um, the conversation about AFI and the fact that we can uh, the Veterans Day is on Friday of this week and that everything kind of came together um, with being able to record with DJ last week, with you this week. Um, I, I'm really excited about it. I think it's there's been a lot of great conversations, a lot of great uh, information uh, that DJ talked about last week. Um, so I'm excited to to kind of continue that and, and learn more about AFI as, as you and I talk here.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm really excited that you connected with DJ. He's a super cool dude.
1: Yeah, no, he... <laughs> he uh yeah he's he's full of energy man excuse me and the passion that he has for conservation for the outdoors for you know our our, you know military community um yeah it it really came through in our conversation that's good to hear yeah he's a
0: very well-spoken very passionate dude so he's probably the best
1: one to talk to yeah so Trevor, before we, you know, dive back into AFI here, give the uh listeners a, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background.
0: Yeah, um Trevor Hubbs. I'm the director of the Armed Forces Initiative. Uh grew up in Southern Illinois and uh what most people think when when the, they hear Southern Illinois is like, oh, he's south of Chicago. And I'm like, you technically yes, but I'm like seven and a half hours south of Chicago. So a good way for me to kind of explain where I grew up is uh to list the cities that i am closer to than chicago that you might know so like obviously st louis yeah memphis um little rock tulsa oklahoma uh nashville tennessee louisville like there's a whole a, slew kinda, of them yeah it's 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 uh, it's a kind of a weird part of the state where the ohio and the mississippi river come together and uh spend a ton of time duck hunting a lot of time quail hunting um used to run uh, a pack of hounds for coons and coyotes growing up. So a little bit of everything I was fortunate, uh, with my dad and my mom's brothers, like they all hunted. Like my dad was a big bird hunter. So that's how I got my start. But, uh, one of my mom's brothers ran coon hounds. So I really got into that. And then another one was just a big trapper. And then my grandpa really liked trapping and that was something we could kind of do that was easy when, you know, I was seven or eight years old. So started doing just a, a whole litany of, uh, of outdoor activities and, Anyway, went grew up, went to high school, played some football, skipped a lot of school to go duck hunting, ended up uh, joining the Army after high school, uh, was in the Army uh, Airborne Infantryman for about eight years. Uh, my last two years, I was an ROTC instructor back in uh, the state of Illinois for Illinois, uh, uh, Eastern Illinois University, which was a great time. It's where I got my bachelor's degree. Um, after that, I got a consulting job, which uh, mostly in like a, the construction industry, uh, worked all over, kind of basically... Being uh, sold to these different companies, where it's like, "Hey, you get Trevor for three months or ninety days, and he's going to fix all your problems," which <laughs> sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But uh, anyway, got started with uh, BHA as a member about five years ago, and then uh, with the Armed Forces Initiative in about twenty twenty. Uh, right when it was first uh, getting going, I started running operations, basically just doing like business consulting stuff for them. Like, hey, this is how I would organize it. This is what I would do. Like, as a, as a volunteer, just just enjoying being out there. Um, then they saw the need to bring me on full time last, uh, yeah, November of last year. So almost a full year that I've been, been running the show here, I guess. And,
1: uh, yeah, now I'm here. So did the AFI, did it have a director when it first kicked off or was it something that they were kind of just running in parallel with, you know, kind of, I guess your, your standard BHA. Um, and then as it grew, they saw a need to kind of put someone in place for that.
0: Yeah, so it's had kind of a litany of various uh, of various veterans kind of coming in and running it. Uh, the Army has some Army, well, the Department of Defense. I I, uh, I always say Army because that's what I was in and that's what I default to. But what I mean is the Department of Defense, Navy, Marines, Air Force, everybody has a great program where when you have your last uh, three months of active duty, you can kind of take all of your leave at one time, and you, where the Army or the Marines or whatever is still paying you. Okay. right? So we had a bunch of people just in a row, like take their last three months and come work for BHA while still getting paid for the department of defense to set this program up. And that goes all the way back to like 2018. So it's like, to, no, I am by no means the first, uh, they've had several people, uh, the one right before me, great guy. He, uh, he just got another job offer at a much, uh, much larger for-profit company, you know, so it's, it's hard to turn down that salary, but he was, uh, he was around for about a year, uh, before I took over and, uh, Now it's kind of my turn at the wheel, I guess.
1: Yeah. No, that's, I like to hear that, that a lot of different um, people and I'm, you know, presumably from different branches have kind of held that role or, or held that title or, you know, even just if it wasn't necessarily the title that came with it, that helped get the ball rolling, to get things in place, to, to get AFI to, to where it's at in, you know, in just a few short years, because, you know, when talking with DJ, I think he mentioned that. Oh, gosh, what was it? 20% uh, of membership for BHA um, have some type of uh, military affiliation?
0: Yep. Uh, so 20% of the BHA members who answered the annual survey have uh, have military affiliation. When I pull my numbers, which takes a while with uh, BHA's software, um, which is more, I'm sure, on me than on BHA software, but it's just hard. I go through and I have to individually type in every zip code for every military base where we have members. And when I do that, we come up to about 9,800 AFI members, which is closer to 30%, which I keep reminding Land of, but he keeps toting that 20%. So that's fine. We'll say 20.
1: Either way. I mean, that's, that's a really large percentage. And, you know, what do you, in your experience with BHA, whether as a member and then, you know, more actively involved as a director of AFI is there anything that you can kind of pinpoint or point to um that kind of lends itself to to why there's such a a large percentage of you know military service members that have joined BHA yeah i mean
0: BHA has always kind of been i not say like a haven but it's always attracted that military crowd so that's uh, AFI is not a result of wanting to get veterans it's a result of having that big military community and wanting to serve it better so if you go back to, like, 2018, BHA did a membership survey, and for the first time they asked, like, hey, are you, are you a veteran, active duty, like, in any way connected with the military? And according to that survey, they were at – BHA was at 14% uh, veterans, milita- milita- the members of the military community. It was 14% of all BHA, and they're like, wow, that's really interesting because depending on what study you look at, it's between 3 and 5% of the general population right. is, is military. So why are we almost triple that? So we started digging into that and trying to figure out that answer to why BHA for a lot of these these veteran members. And there's no one answer, but if we could narrow it down to three, the first one is, for especially for active duty, is you're moving around every three years, right? So you go to a new state where you don't know the regulations. You don't know where you can hunt. You can't keep your gun in, a, in the barracks, like so you have to figure out a system to do that. So you kind of have to use that public land if you can get over all these other issues like – You don't just don't have the relationships moving every three years to find, you know, somebody's private 80 acre whitetail paradise to hunt on. Another one is the uh, not really a great way to put this, but just BHA's camaraderie, yeah. Right? Like, you go out there and every BHA event you go to, like, you spend your 35 bucks, or if you're a veteran, you spend your 25 bucks for an annual membership. Go to one event and no matter wh- what you're trying to hunt, it could be, you know, Tarmagen in Alaska. You will meet somebody who knows somebody who's done it. Like, and they're so willing to give you spots. I have spots for Southern California quail in my, in my phone on on X that some guy just gave me. Cause I mentioned I was into bird hunting and it's not, and I don't want to say that's the only benefit, but it's just a total group of just, just good people, man. Like, i tell you, I, I got a better story than the Southern California quail. So a couple weeks ago, I was trying to fill a personal antelope tag in Wyoming that I drew this year and found very, uh, very, a lot of road hunters, just a lot of traffic on these little two tracks running all over this BLM land, which is fine. Like it wasn't, it's not for me. I like to walk around, get out there and, and see everything. But, uh, so I ended up walking about 12, uh, about 11 miles to, to find an area with no roads where I could get this antelope, got an antelope. Really happy with myself. Break it down, put it in the pack. I'm hiking back. I get to about um, where I got like four miles left, which is where the closest road is. And um, it's his blue uh, blue Dodge pickup sitting there. And there's a guy in orange in the front seat. He waves me over. And as I get closer, he puts it in reverse, backs up about 100 yards just on the prairie and gets out, takes two beers out of a cooler, sets them on the tailgate and sits there waiting for me. And I get there, I'm like, what's up? And he's just like, yeah, I filled my mule deer tag. And while I was cleaning it, I saw you coming from about a half mile away. And figure we're going to the same spot. You probably parked your truck out by the highway. And I was like, yeah, I did. And he's like, awesome, man. Well, load up. I'll, I'll take you there. No problem. And then we talked for about 15 minutes, just having a beer, just kind of celebrating a little bit. And I, I don't know this guy. And he starts pitching BHA to me. He's like, oh, you know, if you do a lot of, you know, public land hunting, you should really consider joining backcountry hunters and anglers. And he's like talking to me about it. And every about 15 minutes, he's like, So, what do you do for a living? I was like, I actually work at BHA. It <laughs> turns out this guy is a, like one of the local leaders for the Colorado chapter. He's up in Wyoming for his first antelope hunt, and he's an Air Force veteran. Oh, like, wow. It's just, you just run into good people. Like, that's it's hard to put it another way. So, I just, and maybe I'm a better storyteller than I am, like a scientific example kind of guy. But that's really, that's the biggest thing.
1: No, I love that story. Cause I was just like, as you were telling, I was like, How long did you let this guy go before you were like, Yeah. I, I, I know what BHA is like, you know, I I I let him
0: go about, I let him go about 10 minutes. And then uh, when he got back to my truck, I had uh, some BHA swag in there that I was using for an upcoming work event. And I just gave him some free stuff and was like, Hey man, I really appreciate the ride. That was cool. So Yeah. yeah, he's a good
1: dude. No, that's great. And you know, the, the camaraderie that you talk about, like that's, that's kind of the, one of the, one of the things that DJ and I talked about and I feel like is one of the things that really lends itself to veterans because or you know just just the military in general because they're you know regardless of the branch that you serve in there's that community aspect of of the armed forces right you know the guy or the girl next to you like that's what you're you know that's what you're doing it for you know no one left behind when you, when you're out on the battlefield like all these things it's it's a community right and You pull people from all walks of life, you know, when it comes to the military, regardless of the branch you serve in, right? You see people from all over the world. And, you know, that one thing, you know, that, that, that service, that, that need to serve really is what bonds you. And I think that that's what BHA has done such a great job of over the years is, is building that community of a bunch of like-minded individuals who, you know, come again from all walks of life and, you know, everyone that's a member of BHA, like doesn't necessarily hunt whitetail or hunt elk or pronghorn like maybe they just love bird hunting or waterfowl hunting or you know maybe they just love to you know hike and backpack and stuff in the backcountry. like they all have like some little shred of common ground that they can build those relationships on and i think that's that's what people want is they want to be a part of something Right. Like, I think, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. You nailed it. And I don't know if that was a purposeful pun or not, but that common ground, that was a pretty good line there. Like, <laughs> literally. Yes. We all use common ground. Like
1: that was not my intention, but I'm glad that it worked out. that Yeah. Way. Um, so I guess before I, maybe I, I got ahead of myself there, but for, for those listeners who didn't get a chance to check out last week's episode with DJ, give me a, a quick synopsis of, um, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the, the AFI, the Armed Forces Initiative.
0: Yeah, so Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Armed Forces Initiative. You're coming out of 2018 where we realized we're 14% veterans. We figure out why. All right, now how do we serve this, this military membership? How do we make sure that uh, they are well represented? Because the real kicker, like the kind of like what does BHA get out of having so many veteran members, is as we dug into the numbers, the 14% of BHA that was a member of the military community um, they were the ones leading trail cleanups, and over fi- over 50% of them were in some sort of volunteer leadership position with BHA, which in itself is like okay, now we've we've really got something here. And like we talked about a second ago, that need to serve or that that willingness to to kind of serve and help help the team out, help your buddies, that's what we were dealing with. So how do we get more of that? Is kind of the selfish BHA, why AFI? But um, so what the Armed Forces Initiative does is we're just focused on. If accidentally we had 14% veterans, what can we do if we're on purpose? Like where – how do we get this obviously highly engaged community of people that are willing to go out and speak on behalf of public lands, that are willing to go out and get their boots dirty on behalf of public lands? Like how do I engage more of these people to further the mission of just public lands advocacy, right, which is why BHA exists? So the way we started doing that is you take – we try and stick to 12 people but sometimes we end up with about 15 uh, just because I never want to exclude anybody if I can from these trips. So we take between groups of between 12 and 20 people out uh, to the back country whether that's fishing, hunting, uh, just camping, hiking doesn't really matter uh, depends on the part of the country you're in but we take them out for I mean three and five three to five days and we try to do three things on these trips right The first thing is we call it like that short-term medicine. So that's just let me pull you away from your laptop, let me pull you away from your email, your text, your phone, let me get you out of service, right, and just be outside, right? And whether that's teaching you how to smallmouth fish or whether we're fly fishing for trout in the mountains of Montana, chasing pronghorn on the Wyoming prairies or going after elk in the mountains of Colorado like we're going to do this November, Uh, by the time this airs, I'll be out there with those guys. But um, no matter what you're doing, it's teaching you how to do it and just being outside like the success factor really isn't important. Although we are enjoying uh, like a 60% harvest success rate for our, all of our camps right now, nice. which is pretty nice. nice. But uh, we, I, and we do have camps where we've gotten nothing. Uh, last year in North Carolina, Appalachian mountains, uh, turkey hunting looked great. Had turkeys goblin all around camp the day before the season opened season opened, We woke up and there's six inches of snow on the ground <laughs> and everything just shut up. It was But even on that camp, you still have guys at the end, Um, like we had a special forces veteran who'd been out for about eight years. He's missing half of his leg and he's just like, man, I can't believe I didn't start hunting sooner. This is incredible, right? So just getting them outside, teaching them how to do whatever that activity is, whether it's fishing or hunting, that's part one. Part two is we want to introduce them to a group of peers. Like that's people that have the same life experience as them that also like to hunt and fish, right? So the combination of the peer group and the teaching not just taking them on on a hunt is what what we were trying to accomplish here is it's not a once in a lifetime trip i don't want any of our members to say oh yeah like 10 years ago i went on this cool elk hunt it was a great time like that's a failure to me i want them to say yeah 10 years ago i started elk hunting right and now i'm still elk hunting like it's not a life once in a lifetime experience it's a lifetime of experiences right so because we have such a large membership and we're on we have members on 48 active duty installations now with clubs on, uh, I think we're at clubs on 17 that are really doing really well and hosting events. But anywhere you get stationed, I can put you in contact with a group of peers, whether they're AFI members or whether they are just normal BHA, parts of, part of that community, right? To uh, try and make sure that's not a once-in-a-lifetime event. And the third part uh, is really, I think, the key part uh, of what we're trying to accomplish here. Because with the first two, I mean, I can honestly, you can build a veterans group, but people have done it and they work great like around running, a running club or call it an outdoor yoga club or whatever, right? Where you have a group of peers and you have a common activity that you do outside, right? right? You can have that with anything, but I don't, I don't know how to do yoga. And I I stopped running (laughs) when I left the army. So what I know how to do is hunt. And the good thing about hunting and fishing about conservation is has that built-in mission. that's part three is I want to give these veterans a new mission, right? So if you're like, like, especially this, more recent group of veterans, DJ and I, like we were in middle school for nine eleven, right? Like I was in sixth grade. We have lived more of our life in a country at war than we have at peace. Right. It's a huge part of who we are as you grow up, as you're in high school. Like I uh, talked to DJ, talked to Ryan, a lot of our volunteers, like, and they all have the same story. Like, oh, I remember being a sophomore in high school and I knew I had to run the two mile in under 13 minutes if I wanted to be in the army. And that's what they're practicing for when they're, you know, 15 years old think like that's what they're working towards like that's why i joined the football team like one football is a lot of fun i really enjoyed it but two it's we're looking at high school sports i'm like all right what is going to best prepare me to go be in the army infantry yeah and i chose football and it worked out great but um it's just a huge part of who we are as we develop into adults and now all of a sudden you're an adult and the war is over and now you're a civilian you're your dj who manages one of the dams up in montana or you're trevor who's a business consultant or your, you know dave the tax attorney or mark the construction worker like right like it, you don't have that same mission anymore and it's just it's really difficult to wake up and know that you're not kind of making the world a better place not that not that you know regular jobs aren't but you don't have that same mission that same certainty that what right. you're doing is making a difference every day right so the way and i think that that leads to a lot of kind of the trauma and the stress of getting out of the military and becoming a civilian. Like I tried it for, for six years, man, that business consultant stuff. And I I made a lot of money and everything was going well, but just only looking out for Trevor, like, and not really caring about anybody else is really, uh, is really tough. It's not, I'm not built for it. And, and none of our volunteers are either. Like you have to have something extra. You have to have that mission. Right. And that's where conservation hunting and fishing comes in. It's like, Hey, I know you like fishing for smallmouth. I know you like, shooting mule deer on the prairie here what if i told you that this isn't certain like this is all the work that goes into making sure there are mule deer on these sage flats making sure there are smallmouth in the saint croix river of northern wisconsin like now all of a sudden one step one i've made them a passionate outdoor person with a group of peers that make sure they stay an outdoor person and i've taught them like hey these are the steps required like this is how you get involved with your local Uh, Department of Natural Resources. This is how – why you do trail cleanups. This is why you do river cleanups. This is why you need to talk to your congressmen and your senators and your local uh, natural resources people about keeping access open to these rivers, to these lands, to this this goose field that I'm trying to go hunt tomorrow morning. Like (laughs) this is – like this is another way to serve your country. Like it's not the Army. It's not the Navy. It's not the Marines, but it is important. And it is one of the things that makes the United States unique is this public land, right? Yeah. Like technically you have it in Canada, but it's called like her majesty's land or the queen's land or something like yeah, that, right, which, right. is it really public if it belongs to a monarch 10,000 miles away? No offense, Canada. It's, that's just upsetting to me. <laughs> but um, anyway, like that is one of the things that makes North America unique. I mean, you don't really have it in Western Europe, certainly. You don't really truly have it in Africa. You don't have it any other place. This is a tenant, like this public lands piece is kind of a uniquely American or North American thing, right? So if you could find a way to continue serving your country and serve conservation, and you get a group of buddies that know what they're doing, and you get to go have fun, like it's a win for everybody. Does that make sense? I was kind of convoluted. And I just kind of ran on in one big sentence there, but we'll see. Oh, you got a good editor. You'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, well, you're talking to the editor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it makes total sense because that was one of the things that when you were when you were talking there that you know, I I'm realizing is that, you know, for, you know, guys and gals that that join the armed forces and whatever branch, they join the military, you know, right out of out of high school or even if, you know, maybe they you know get into civilian life for a few years post high school um you know get some some real world experience under their belt and then they decide to to join the military in some capacity it's they've they, they they've known you know like think about you know all the time that you served and i would i would venture to guess that you could probably count on on one hand how many days you woke up not knowing what you needed to do right like every day you knew where you were going to be what you needed to get done you knew you had a purpose. And when the time comes to, to get out and you make that decision, um, you know, everything that you've known for, you know, your entire adult life up to that point is kind of mm-hmm. flipped on its head and you need to, you've, you've had, you've acquired all of these <sighs> principles and, uh, you know, way of, of living life and, you know, this purpose. And when that's not there, in to a degree, you have to figure out a way to to rechannel that, how to, you know, take all that stuff that you've learned about discipline and hard work and, and all of those things and redirect that into something else. And for people who already have that mindset, because there, if there's one thing that I do know about the military is what that instills into individuals um, that that are a member of the military is that that drive, that discipline, that that selflessness to to serve something much bigger than them something that you know like when you talk about freedom we all know what it is but it's it's hard to like put your finger on it you know it's not like a, a finite thing so to speak mm. um it's an it's it's an idea i guess and that's kind of the same as, as conservation is we all know what it is but you can't just point to one thing and be like that that right there is con- is conservation. There's, you know, there's a whole litany of things that, you know, could be considered conservation and it's, uh, there's so many parallels kind of, you know, to, to make that transition from, you know, serving to, you know, getting involved in the conservation space, because there's a lot of the same principles that, that apply, at least from what I can see um, across the board.
0: Oh, a- absolutely. You're, you're a hundred percent correct. So I guess like, getting back to that root question of like what does the afi do is if people veterans are accidentally finding bha like maybe not accidentally but like i did straight up did not hunt my whole time in the military like it's just not something you do you're you're tired like you're working all day like to be honest like especially and i've talked to other like infantry cav scout like these kind of uh more like combat oriented jobs in, in the military and like yeah, carrying around the woods, walk, carrying around a gun, walking through the woods, like that's work, man. That sounds awful, and it seems silly to say it, but that's reality. Like my uh, my dad, and my brother, when I got out, they wanted to take me on a deer hunt in 2016, just going out to the farm and seeing what we could, uh, seeing what we could do. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds dumb. I'm not doing that. Like <laughs> just like turned hey, off, and they're like, y- whatever, idiot. Get your sleeping bag. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, they just kind of drugged me out there and end up having a great time and you just kind of have that, it doesn't take too long. It takes a couple days before you're like, wow, this is not work.
1: Like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm
0: cold. I'm miserable. I'm sitting in a tree with a gun, but I am not, uh, unhappy. It's, it's, it's just interesting. It's a different kind of, uh, kind of feeling being out there voluntarily for pleasure. But, um, so how do I get more veterans to get there to get to this point, to be part of BHA, right? Like, and then, get them outdoors is what the AFI does is if I can directly target these installations, guys when they're just getting out of the military or guys while they're still in the military or even those Vietnam veterans that are just, are still, still uh, looking for something to do, looking for something that's uh, maybe a little more than the local VFW. Like that's what we have. So I guess that's, that's kind of the why that's what we're doing. Yeah, that makes
1: sense? Yeah, no, no, it makes complete sense. So, in in your experience Trevor like what do you think it is that maybe like kind of holding some of our our veterans and retirees back from from joining um you know whether it's AFI or you know another type of uh veteran organization that is kind of geared towards the outdoors and, and using the outdoors as a as a tool is it you know just the uncertainty is it you know maybe um i i, I don't know i it's hard for me to even come up with you know, realistic reasonings, uh, or anything like that. But in your experience, you know, with, with talking to, to, to veterans that, or even active duty that, you know, are on these, these, um, events and these trips that you guys are taking, is there a common theme or what are you hearing from, from these individuals about, you know, what maybe had them on the fence to, to want to get involved, to want to start volunteering? <sighs>
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So we normally end up with about ten uh, percent of can- cancellations on trips, right? So we try and give people ninety days notice. Excuse me. So if like we're doing a whitetail trip in Wisconsin, on uh, the first week of December, like everybody's knows they're invited. The last week of, Sept- of September, like, hey, this is coming up, and but without fail, you know, within a month of the actual event, we'll get you know, ten percent, two, three people that just cancel on us, right? So I've, we've been actually digging into that as a group, right? And just trying to figure out, all right, what's what's going on? What's Why are people... Cause? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, we don't have a solid answer. What we do have is just a couple, like, quotes and stories when we call these people afterwards, right? And the biggest thing is, hey, it's a bunch of guys that I don't know about. Like, a lot of these aren't already BHA members, you right. know? So it's, it's an organization I don't really know a lot about, a bunch of people that i don't really know like and we're gonna go hunting like yeah i'm kind of into hunting maybe i'd be interested in it but i don't know seems seems weird and unfortunately i don't really know how to how to solve that i mean my short-term plan for how to solve it is um, is hiring a project manager which won't happen until next year due to funding reasons but um just someone who can manage and put a phone call or an email with every single person who applies for one of these camps, whether they get invited to come or whether or not, because it is kind of competitive. We can only take so many, but just somebody who can call everybody and just have a conversation with them. I think that'll, uh, that'll help make it uh, a little more personal, a little less uh, like, Hey, it's just a bunch of random people going hunting. You want to come like No, now it's Trevor taking you hunting. Now it's, this is what BHA is. This is what we do. Like promise we're friendly people, like not a bunch of weirdos, but I really think that's, that's the thing is, once you get in really tight with like your unit or a group of people that you really know, you know, it's strangers are difficult. And that's not just a solely BHA thing. That's an everybody getting out of the military thing. Like, I'm like the biggest event of our like friend group growing up, uh, well, like as, as an adult growing up, I guess, like anytime after 18, was going to Mardi Gras in St. Louis because it's a big party and, you know, get drunk and have a great time. And uh, I remember going while I was on leave one time, like while I was in the military and you're like downtown St. Louis, like Soulard area. And I'm like looking at rooftops. Like, I think I had like 15 or 16 drinks and I cannot get drunk. I cannot loosen up. I am just like stressed to the max being around all these people. Right. And I think that there's a little bit of that in, in all of it. It's like people you don't know in a strange environment, like, no, that sounds stressful. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I, I think again, if I'm wrong, please, somebody reach out and tell me, maybe I just, you know, smell weird or something, but <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking based on just these couple of interviews that we've been doing with guys who have canceled and what they're telling us. So,
1: yeah, well, I mean, I, I can totally understand that. Like if that's, if that seems to be the reasoning, because, you know, as, as you get older in life, you know, to, to be, you know, introduced to, you know, new people, you know, new friend groups, because, you know, as, as someone who's, you know, Pushing forty, you know. Sometimes you know, like if my wife makes plans with you know some of her friends, it's like, oh yeah, like her husband. You know, you would really like him. It's like, why? Why would I really like him? Like, yeah. uh, give me, give me some reasons, right? But I, I i certainly see maybe some apprehension, right? Like, why? You know, people maybe at first it sounds like a great idea, and then you know you start to maybe overanalyze it or start to overthink yeah. things. But uh,
0: it, the, 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 I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody, yeah. man. Like. And I I do this for a living. Like, I've been in the field. By the end of the year, I will have spent 217 nights either in the tent or sleeping in the back of the truck at these events, right? Wow. And I still have this apprehension every time. Like, we're going to the Boundary Waters in the last week of August, and we had 18 uh, folks out there fishing. And, like, I'm driving up there, and I'm like, God dang it just like just stressing on what's going to go wrong, what's going to go right. Is it going to be a cool group of people or what? Like, cause you've had phone conversations, but you don't know. And so I understand the apprehension there. Like that makes sense to me. And every time it's awesome. Like maybe have one, one that just doesn't really jive, but at every other camp, but in reality it's all pretty good dudes. Like we're up in the boundary waters and guys are like fighting each other. Like, no, I'm gonna do the dishes tonight. No, I'm I'm gonna do that. I'll take the trash. Like, no, let me haul this pack over this portage because if you're ever in the Boundary Waters, you have to basically canoe and you pick up all your stuff and you carry it across, over land. Yep. I think our longest one was a mile and a half, and then we get back in the water and start fishing again. But every time, it's a fight for who can contribute more. No one wants to be that person who's just taking. They all want to help some way, like right? whether it's cleaning fish, whether it's um, oh here, let me let me help you carry that antelope back. Like, doesn't matter. Like. It's just a great group of dudes, a great group of people. I shouldn't. I keep saying dudes because I was in the infantry and we didn't have women in the infantry, and it's really tough for me to keep uh, keep doing this. I mean, dudes as in people, people royal yeah. dudes, if that makes sense.
1: No, Sorry. I, yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I I knew what you were driving at. Yeah. So, <clears throat> on one of these events, and it sounds like you know you guys have, have done like a a whole list of things. You know, as far as activities, right? Whether it's you know fishing in the boundary waters, a whitetail hunt, a turkey hunt, all sorts of these things. What is kind of the biggest takeaway, you know, like when the weekend's done Sunday or Monday comes, everyone's packing up, they're heading their separate ways. What is kind of the one thing that you look back on on the weekend and you're like, yeah, that was, that made this trip worthwhile.
0: Oh man. I mean, you going to get a little, uh, I don't know, a little, little deep here. That's all and, right. Uh, deeper deep. than I want to be. But to be honest, like I'm exhausted. Like there is a difference between, and you could talk to like, our volunteer leaders and they're even more exhausted. And I remember when I was a volunteer, like that level of exhaustion, like at least I'm getting paid to do this, you know. But there is a huge difference between Trevor, like we just had an antelope camp in Montana with 12 people. There's a difference between Trevor going to a place he's never been before and trying to go find an antelope and finding success and Trevor taking 12 people out, right? And the antelope camp went great. We had a lot of volunteers in Montana that had been to a camp before that are helping set it up. So truly, instead of 12 participants, it was more like six participants and six uh, mentors, if that makes sense, which is which made a, a huge success. Everybody filled at least one of their tags. Oh, nice. So that was good. But um, it's just a like, – all right. What happens if they get hurt? What does insurance look like? Where's the closest hospital? Does everyone have a med kit? Uh, what are we eating for dinner? Does everyone have enough? Is anybody allergic to anything? Like, it's just, it is exhausting being, like, just mentally, like, prepared for all the different stuff that can happen on one of these hunts. Because a lot of it is, like, there is a level of danger. Like, this is not a well-groomed, like, oh, we're going to go fishing in the pond behind my grandpa's house where nothing could ever possibly go wrong. Like, right. when you're out there. Like, there's rattlesnakes. There's cactuses. There's there's coyotes and all kinds of other things that if you don't do things right like you could slip and fall it could be nothing you could cut yourself while cleaning a cleaning a deer and get infected like so anyway it's incredibly stressful so when i'm driving home or flying home from one of these events i'm just like feel like i am just melting into a cup like i'm just like everything is coming out we're good like every time i fly i end up spending 9 hours at the denver airport and i'm just like just melting into one of those shitty chairs they have there <laughs> And it's so, but then, so what keeps me going or what, like, what stops me from like actually taking a break? And it's, it's all of our, our volunteers feel this way. I just got to make that clear. Like, this is not just Trevor, this is everybody. I'm just the guy that gets invited to be on podcasts, but I've got eight, uh, eight little tally marks on my whiteboard in front of me here that, uh, that you can't see cause I got my camera turned off, but these eight tally marks are people that have told me participants that said, Hey, like without this, I would not be here. Wow. Right. And it's either comes on a phone, comes via email. Someone will forward it to me from one of our local camps, like Marty in North Carolina has sent me one that people told him. And he's just like, that's what keeps us going is there is there's something here. Like we had a guy, uh, we had a person in the boundary waters who on like day five was just like, Hey, you know, like, you know, six months ago, I, uh, I was feeling low and I had a pistol and I I was ready to go. And then I got this email that uh, I was invited to come on this. And and now he's super involved with the local AFI group, super involved with BHA. Like he gets it. He's recommended like some buddies he hasn't talked to in years. He's like, hey, you should call this guy. He's a pretty good goose hunter. I think he could help put you put some veterans on out in the field in his area. Like it's it's just like some incredible, um, incredible transformation, not transformative, transformative or I don't know it's very easy to see that you're making a difference. The right things are happening. Right. And sure. Out of whatever I said earlier, 9,800 members, basically it's only eight, but, uh,
1: it's eight that, that's, you know that's,
0: that's eight. Exactly. Like,
1: I mean, that's a, I mean, especially, you know, not even just, you know, in, in your position as a director for AFI, but, you know, the volunteer members, you know, the members of the board. I mean, that's, and I, I I can't imagine that that's you know something that's maybe always on your mind, but when you receive an email like that or a text like that, or you you get it secondhand from someone who was told like mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a really heavy weight to carry around, right? And 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 I mean that in a good way, right? That you know something that you were part of helped mm-hmm. you know pull someone out from a really dark place, and. I mean, I don't, I, I can't even put into words or, or you know, even think about, you know, what, what that would do to me if someone told me those words, like something that, you know, I did help them, you know, yeah. wake up the next I mean, day.
0: For me, it's incredibly motivating because I'll go from that place where I just want to never move from this chair again and just be asleep and just like in the Denver airport and I'll check my phone and I'll have two or three emails from participants that like literally hours ago I was with in the mountains of like, Hey, I just can't thank you enough. This is a really great time. Like, I can't believe I didn't get into this sooner, which is one that's, that's helpful. But then you get, you know, one or two emails or texts or calls or conversations like this. And it's like, okay, like you, you can't stop. Like yeah, talking to land, like, like any nonprofit there's, there's highs and lows with funding. Like when things are going really well, I like, can do whatever project you want when things are going low. Like maybe we have to be a little more restrictive and it's like, what, what, events can you can you cut not the, and land wasn't asking me to cut anything i was like i was being proactive with like the funding scenario i'm just like hey I, I i'll take one at a time if i have to but we can't stop doing this yeah like and it's uh it's just a really motivating feeling for me like you get that like all of a sudden like yeah no shit this matters man sorry i, I don't know if we're allowed to curse or not
1: yeah we just we're good so, we're good okay don't worry about that I mean, but that was, I don't know if you you caught me there earlier, but you said, you know, you have the eight tally marks and that's just eight that you know of. I mean, you've got to believe that of 9,800, there's more than just eight that have, you know, been pulled out of, out of a bad place, out of a dark spot because Mm -hmm. of, you know, whether it was just a pint night, right. And they, you know, something, you know, just every, you know, a pretty common occurrence with BHA. And they just, you know, maybe they met another veteran, maybe they just met someone who loves the outdoors that isn't a veteran, but it just got them more active, more involved to help them get re, you know, reinvigorated, you know, felt like they had a new purpose. So they discovered a new purpose from that conversation or that new relationship. And yeah, I, 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 I would, I would guess that it's, it's more than eight, but the fact that there's eight confirmed is, I mean, that's, that's a really big win, no matter how you look at it absolutely i'm
0: uh i'm super happy with it Uh, what i do want to kind of address real quick though is this is not like uh if you're listening and like up until this story you're like oh man this sounds really cool i want to get involved in this now you're like i don't know that sounds a little preachy like i promise um like i don't even like to use the word therapy because we're not doing anything therapeutic on on purpose man we're out hunting we're fishing uh, we're cooking whatever we just hunted and fished for the camp at the campfire at night. And there is no like, uh, I mean, there's there's no couch. There's no somebody taking notes. There's none of us know what we're doing. We just know that it feels better to be outside doing it. If that makes sense. Like, so if you were going to try and come on these trips, try and get involved, try and take some veterans on trips of your own in whatever, you know, state or community you're in, like there is no like kind of designated therapy time. That's just, just down hunting and fishing, like the, it just had the therapy just happens or whatever you want to call it, like uh the feeling better just happens.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's just a, a very apparent byproduct of of everything that you guys are doing in the environment yeah. that you're in. Because I mean, there's been countless times where I just, you know, I'm I'm not in a good headspace, right? And for whatever reason, I think it's you know, it's it's usually tends to be during the fall. Like maybe it's just, mm. you know, when the days get start getting shorter. The weather starts to turn. Like I think it's you know for a lot of people it's just a, a natural thing to, you know, be a a bit more sluggish or you know whatever the case is, and thankfully you know I love to deer hunt so I get a lot of time in the woods you know this time of year and it always it it's kind of like a what's the word I'm looking for here it's like a recentering right it, 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 yeah you, know, you get that appreciation back. You know, you kind of you get that alone time with your thoughts. You get to experience the outdoors, and it 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 heals you without you even knowing it. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, like you just said, like it's not like you're out there and be like you're sitting around the campfire and be like, okay, Trevor, it's your turn to share. Okay, Marcus, it's your turn to share. Like that's yeah, yeah. I I I I don't see it being like that. And you know, you confirmed that. But I think it's just you get in that environment, you get around like-minded people with similar experiences and, you know, whether it's, you know, you have a beer and someone opens up and tells a story about something and then, you know, you just, the the guards kind of come down, right? People start uh-huh. to feel more comfortable, more at ease. These are my people. And then they feel comfortable, you know, sharing because I've got to imagine that as, you know, whether you're active duty, whether you're a veteran or a retiree, it's hard to talk about that with people who haven't experienced that because they just don't understand. And I totally get that. But in this particular setting, everyone around you does understand.
0: Yeah. It, it's uh it's wild. And I, and I struggle to kind of put this in uh in scientific terms. I, I I'm a data driven guy. Like I'd love to come into a meetings with like charts and stuff and be like, yeah, no, 42% of the time this happens. And then 80% <laughs> of the time, this is what we can expect. And just, I'm a very like data person and it's frustrating when I do. So we do an after action review on every camp where we interview participants, try and figure out like, all right, what did we do wrong? What did we do right? How do we fix it? Like, what are the answers to always try and get better? And the biggest thing that we come, come up with, uh, and it's, it's strange that you, we hear this, we've, I've heard this quote probably 300 times this year from various participants is, I don't know, man, I just feel better out here. And it's like verbatim. And I'm like, I can't do anything with the phrase. I just feel better out here. You got to tell me, like, what exactly, <laughs> what specifically? And it's 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 mind boggling. But um, I'm actually really excited. We just connected with a uh, a professor at the uh, at Cornell University in New York. He's a New York National Guardsman. Uh, he's got like three doctorates, all studying like how groups interact during uh, like post disaster stuff. So he mostly focuses on like uh, like communities that just had like a, a earthquake or a typhoon or some some sort of like crazy disaster natural disaster. Yeah. Or veteran groups have just come through like a deployment and just how do these people react mentally and like all the things that happen. And I'm hoping that I can hop on a pretty long call with him and share some data and he can tell me like, all right, well, when they say I just feel better out here, what they actually mean is this and this is the scientific principle of this demonstrated and blah 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 blah. So I don't sound like just some guy out here, but <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's frustrating, but it's also like, it's, I don't know. It's nice as you know, like every time, like we are making a difference, like they do just feel better out here. Like, I'm not sure why, but we do know, know historically that this has worked right. Like Theodore Roosevelt, one of the reasons he created the national park system is because of his time in the Spanish American war. And he could see like how the outdoors helped the guys he was in with. Right. Like same thing with the red cross in world war one, we've got red cross, uh, nurses and employees teaching, uh, world war one veterans how to fly fish in france like 30 miles behind the lines and it's using that as therapy like and read any of Hemingway's books he's been to war how many times either as a active participant or as a reporter and like being the outdoors hunting and fishing for him is what really worked like so we know this is a concept that works and i know there's doctors and like professors out there that study why it works but uh and it'd be great if one of them could explain it to me but as long as I know that it works and it's going to keep working, like we're going to keep doing it.
1: Right? Yeah. As long as there's results there, yeah, you got yeah. to stick with it because it's, uh, it's an important thing. And, you know, what I think what I, I love most about AFI is, you know, not just the, the mission in general and, and, and everything that you guys are doing for, you know, the, the, the military community is, is what you're building for the long term. And you, you, you touched on this, you know, early on and, and DJ touched on it last week is, you know, to, you know, there's, there's, there's groups or there's organizations out there that, you know, um, can afford the chance to, to take some of these, these veterans on these once in a lifetime hunts. And that is absolutely great. And I'm sure the, the experiences and the stories and everything like that, that comes from those types of trips will, will last them a lifetime. But to, to give, you know, with what AFI is doing to, to give that community the tools to further, you know, their mission, the mission of conservation and really just kind of create a new lifestyle for them or help start to create that new lifestyle for them, um, is, is something that's invaluable. It really is. Oh, absolutely. And
0: yeah, I, I didn't mean if I, if I accidentally disparage any of these groups that take no, you didn't at all. once no. in a lifetime trips, like that's not, like I have some good friends, uh, actually i was just out there in september in colorado one of these once in a lifetime trips for a veteran uh elk hunting and it's an amazing time like there's especially for for guys that are just or people that are just needing something some kind of boost like you put eight bugling bull elk within 40 yards in a morning like that's incredible like that'll (laughs) like there's definitely a purpose for that one that's that's just not what bha is about i'm about every day. Like if I can put you on 10 spike bulls over a period of 10 years, like I'll take that over the one morning of the
1: huge bull. Yeah. But, yeah, I have yeah. The, the sustainability. Uh, exactly. Yeah. The sustainability. So <clears throat> Trevor, tell me about some of the partners, um, that are involved or associated with AFI DJ and I got to touch on it a little bit, but obviously in, in your position, you have a, a lot closer relationship and interaction with, uh, with some of these partners. Oh, I don't know. DJ's pretty good friends with just about everybody. <laughs> I like but, to see uh, why.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, no, this is a great. I always forget to do this. I'm, uh, I don't know if you guys have like looked at my social media, but I'm terrible at taking pictures. I'm terrible. Like it's the farthest thing from my mind being in the field. Uh, it's like, Ooh, I should take a picture of this. Like we we're one of our guys got a huge antelope down last week and, uh, is in the afternoon and like the sun is setting and he was determined. He's like, no, I'm going to break this down by myself. Like, you taught me that we've done the class. I've seen it done. Let me just do it. I'm like, all right, cool. So I got to sit back and eat a power bar and you know, drink some water and just watch the sunset over this, uh, Eastern Montana Prairie. And it's incredible. And like, I'm looking at it like, man, this is, this is a really cool time. And, uh, we have a, a professional photographer there who volunteers his time does a bunch of stuff but he's like snap a picture all he's like yo you can't miss the light like this is what we have to get like he's like getting pictures like mystery ranch is a big sponsor like all the packs like oh we got to get mystery ranch in there like so I'm glad I have people like DJ and like the photographer there to keep me uh to keep on my toes there about our sponsors because I would just take the stuff and uh completely forget like I owe them like pictures of us using it like I'm just there in the moment so Forgive me for not mentioning you sponsors, but, uh, let's see what I can do. Uh, seek outdoors. They do a whole bunch of, uh, like tents. They're really cool. They're really lightweight. I end up, uh, we sent one to North Carolina. We've sent one to Alaska. We have one as a headquarters unit. If they end up ever send us any more, which we would be super open to like, even like broken ones, I'll sew them up and we'll make them work. Um, great tents. They're lightweight. Really appreciate them. Especially when you can put that, uh, the stove in there yeah. for like cold weather tents. Like
1: big, big game changer. Yeah.
0: Oh, We had a turkey camp in 2021 in western Montana. Um, it's like 20 degrees at night. We didn't have any funding, any money at the time. We're just freezing our ass off on the ground. And, like, had we had the Sikh tents then that we do now, like, game changer, man. Like, sticking sticking eight dudes in uh, – or eight people in a, one of the Sikh tents in the Appalachian Mountains in North Carolina when it was snowing. Like, I was never cold once. It was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. a great yeah. time, even though we, we did put that tent – up inside out it was our first time so if you see those pictures that's on me my bad
1: <laughs> but uh, it still keeps the elements out
0: yeah it, it worked fine the uh so what else uh big agnes they do like uh sleeping bags sleeping pads they also do tents they gave us a bunch of tents for the boundary waters which were perfect because there's a big vestibule like hold all your gear in Because that's the biggest thing is it's gonna rain you're gonna get stuff wet like you just need stuff that will dry quickly in the boundary waters so big agnes huge uh Huge sponsors go buy all their stuff. So they give some of it to us for free. Um Let's see. We've got black coffee in Montana, which is DJ's favorite. He's a real big black coffee supporter. Not that I'm not, but uh I've I don't uh, trust my own palate to be judging on food or drinks. <laughs> like I think uh, half the mornings I come down from uh from like the bedroom and I just pour whatever is in the coffee cup. Yep. Like sometimes it's a day old, sometimes it's three days old. Like we'll figure it out. Yeah. Like I'm kind of notorious for like just throwing like a plastic cup in the microwave for 45 seconds full of old coffee and be like, yeah, just as good.
1: It'll work. It's fuel. So,
0: yeah. But for people who really know like what, who want their coffee to taste good and know what that is like, uh, black coffee, go ahead and do that. Uh, We also have uh, Salmo Java Coffee out of uh, the state of Washington. Great. uh, They support all kinds of conservation initiatives. They're really good. We have, uh, who's the other coffee maker? Access the Wild out of actually my hometown of uh, Southern Illinois.
1: Yeah, I've had Access to the out. Wild on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah great, dude, great guys. Solid
0: group of dudes. It's, yeah. uh, I feel really bad. Um, this is just like generally for everybody. So there's only me at the AFI. Like if you email like Armed force Initiative at BackcountryHunters.org, it just comes to me. Like so you can either, either email Hubs at BackcountryHunters.org or, or Armed Force Initiative. And I, I promise I will answer every email. It may just be two or three weeks before I get to it. Like 217 days in the field, guys. Please remember. But I yeah. do know, like Access the Wild in particular, has just caught me like on the way out the door too many times, and that's where it's been like three weeks to respond to a hey, what's up?
1: Yeah, like, yeah, it's been
0: tough. But anyway, Access the Wild, great group of uh, folks down there making uh, wonderful coffee. I use it in my house sometimes. Only the leftover stuff from camp. Never use new stuff. That always goes to straight to the camps in case anybody's listening. But when I do have leftover stuff, I use it, and my wife likes it so she has better taste buds than i do what else do we have oh obviously um vortex optics gave us like ten thousand dollars worth of gear um spotting scopes range finders um, binos like harnesses awesome company um fhf gear um which is now part of first light part of the meat eater brands like yep. rick hutton jr out there he's like the number two guy i think he may not be, you may be number three or four. I don't I, I think there's only like five people that work there. So but he's so he's in the top five. But uh he's a Marine veteran, uh solid dude. He was like our first uh, sponsor for the AFI program solely. He's like, Whatever you guys need, we will make it happen. Right. So they're always solid dudes sending us a bunch of stuff and they're a small, all American made company out of Bozeman, Montana. Like when there's only five people working there, like it's it's hard to to donate. You know, because it's a small company, and, and right. they still just go above and beyond. And that that says a lot. Um, who else? Um, I'm going to be missing somebody, and they're going to be super upset. We talked about Vortex. We talked about uh, Mystery Ranch and the Packs. We talked about our tent manufacturers. Um, talked about FHF gear.
1: Who else do we have? The coffee companies. I mean, I, <clears throat> I, I just I I really admire companies like the ones that you just. That you just listed there yeah. for, I mean, one, they're, they're making, you know, incredible products and, you know, even a handful of the ones you just mentioned, you know, are, are affiliated with conservation organizations, you know, like 2% mm-hmm. who partners on this podcast. And the, the fact that, you know, they're making a great product, they don't have to, you know, donate this stuff, but they know it's the, the right thing to do to, to help, you know, the cause for BHA and for AFI and you oh, know, yeah. just, you just, it, it's, it's all very commendable and it's, you know, it, it makes it easy to support brands like this that are supporting organizations like BHA and AFI.
0: That's that you nailed it right there, man. Like a lot of these companies, um, like no one's beating down my doors. Like, Hey Trevor, you really didn't, uh, you didn't mention us on your Instagram feed the other day. Like everybody puts up with, uh, with my just lack of just any kind of, instinct on social media, which is great. Um I did pull up our sponsor list, so I did miss Gastronome Shannon, also out of Postman.
1: Oh, she best makes food. some amazing the food. Best food. Oh so like, good.
0: So we did have uh we've had a couple sponsors and they sent us uh like food for the um for that boundary waters trip. So that was like seven days, right? Of all carry in yourself food. So it was a lot of food. So we didn't rely on one sponsor. Uh gastronome gave us a bunch of food. But uh I did look I opened the, like the top box from these sponsors. I'm like, all right, it's a good mix. You got some rice, you got some like chicken fajita stuff, you got some ravioli, like awesome. Didn't open the other two boxes. We got up there, and I'm like divvying them up, and the other two boxes are literally just full of beef stroganoff. Mm. So, which is great. Uh, beef stroganoff is one of my favorites, but uh, and this wasn't gastronome beef stroganoff. It was from like a dozen other manufacturers, but in the Founder Waters, it was literally like, all right, you get three. Everybody gets three gastronomes and four beef stroganoffs and that's what you have
1: so (laughs) split it up
0: however you want but that's what we're doing so uh it was uh luckily we caught a bunch of fish because no matter how good the beef stroganoff is after a couple days it's uh it's uh it's beef stroganoff it is (laughs) beef stroganoff
1: yes that's that's right no uh yeah shout out to to shannon and the team at gastronomes because they've been on the podcast i've i started using and you know when i'm hunting whitetail like your typical Midwest whitetail, like it's not back country, like what I'm doing. But you know, like once the rut comes, and, and I'm spending a lot more time or, or full days out there, maybe you know, I'll sit one place in the morning, you know, hop down, you know, mid afternoon or, or early afternoon, grab something to eat, head back out. Gastronome was, was so key. And like, I almost feel like it's too much food to eat during the middle of the day, because there, it's, I mean, it's the, the food quality of, of what <laughs> Shannon and the team has there is like stuff that you would make at home. Like it's not something oh, that is, you just, you know, ripped open a bag and poured some hot water on because that, you know, to say it's a good meal, I feel like just doesn't do it justice because it's so oh, much more. Yeah,
0: Dude, you dig into it and you're just, you cannot believe like for me, like I've started saving my gastronomes till the very end, like the last few days, like it,
1: when you really get tired, you really oh, need that good man. meal. Yeah, it is.
0: It makes a difference it does the um, let's see who else we have here almost done oh I got two new newer sponsors uh, Winona canoes so they gave us like thirty thousand dollars worth of canoe for uh, the boundary waters like and these are top of the line canoes and I'm not like a canoe like nerd or whatever like I always use just those beat up canoes like whatever I can get for free or close to free and using these Winona canoes was an absolute game changer like they weighed like nothing for carrying them over the stuff but uh, yeah they gave us like 30 it was like 28 or 29 thousand dollars worth of canoe uh tour of the factory like just and that was like an out of the blue like hey you guys want to do want to donate to us like when i didn't know what i was doing i still don't but like really when i didn't know what i was doing just like randomly emailing companies like hey do you have some spare money like
1: yeah so what do you got later out
0: yeah great company um the other one uh, that we picked up this uh, this summer is g Decoys Company. So they're an uh, American-made decoy company, the only waterfowl decoys that are still made in America. They're out of Henrietta, Oklahoma, which is uh, not too far from where I grew up, about five hours, and um, owned by a veteran, Ray Penny. Uh, he's a Marine Corps veteran, uh, deployed. He was an officer. Then he went and got a legal degree, and then he was actually out on a uh, – I think he was on an elk hunt. And he got like an in text like, hey, G&H Decoys is up for sale. Do you want it? And he decided, like, on the mountain, like, yeah, let's buy it. Oh, and so wow. now it's just him just just slinging decoys left and right. And they're doing a great job. Uh, they make some amazing decoys, but they've given us – like, I met him at uh, the BHA Rendezvous, which is, like, our big fundraising event for the year. And uh, maybe it was the cocktails. Maybe it's just because Ray's an awesome guy, which I think it's the latter. But he's just like, no, sounds like a great program. Any waterfowl event in the U.S., you tell me what you need, and you've got it. So, like, I think he sent us, like, six or seven dozen decoys, like – because we have a big snow goose hunt coming up in February, we've got a big uh, like saltwater uh, Atlantic duck hunt in uh, Maine, Massachusetts, maybe I don't okay. know. Okay, one of those northeastern states coming up in January. It's uh, so yeah, it's, I couldn't wouldn't be able to do it without these this decoy GH decoy company because if you've never been into uh, waterfowl hunting, the decoys can get very pricey. So
1: oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, no, that's, that's awesome. I love to hear, you know, especially stories like Ray, you just mentioned who's like, you know, whatever you need, you just say the word I got you guys yeah. covered. Like, I mean, that's, those are the types of people and companies that you want to be involved with, um, you know, that, that see the, the bigger picture at hand, as opposed to just dollars and cents coming in or going out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh,
0: he's a great dude. It's a great company. Um, everybody go buy your duck decoys from Ray. Yeah.
1: All right, Trevor, a few more things before I let you get out of here and, and get no, back to good, fight, get back to fighting the good fight there. You just filled that antelope tag recently. What, uh, yep. what does the rest of your fall look like?
0: Man, so, yeah, I filled uh, one Montana antelope tag and one Wyoming antelope tag this year, which are my first and second antelope ever. Really excited. Um, so I got that meat in the freezer. Uh, I had a Wisconsin bear tag. I sat 16 hours a day for seven days straight uh, over bear bait in Wisconsin and didn't see a bear. So. Oh frustrating and then i had a colorado bear tag where i ended up missing a bear on the very last day uh we took a couple uh had like a veterans uh, bear hunt out there in the mountains great time um i had one really chance on the last day at 373 yards and, and i just missed like no one to blame but myself it happens so miss clean is bears fine You're gonna make it till next year so so yeah so right now i have two for four on tags i've got a mule deer tag in montana still i've got two elk tags a cow and a bull elk tag in montana that i'm hoping to fill um this uh this saturday season starts i'm gonna go try and fill fill some of those i'm gonna do next week in montana um then obviously in wisconsin they just give out whitetail tags like candy because (laughs) of such a robust population so i think i've got like nine whitetail tags in wisconsin that i'll try and uh i'll try and fill between gun season well between the rut first week in november with my bow and then we've got the rifle season and the uh, muzzleloader season coming up so hopefully i get some more meat in the in the freezer and uh yeah it's going to be a pretty uh pretty waterfowl heavy winter though i know we've got uh, a big duck hunt in wisconsin coming up on november 6th Uh, so that'll be on lake michigan like in those layout boats first time we've ever done that so that'll be interesting we've got that duck hunt in the New England marshes where the water is salt, so it doesn't freeze until late. So we're out there in January. It's going to be really interesting. Really cool. We've got that, uh, Oh, it's going to be real cold. <laughs> we then like a month later, we're going to Arkansas. We've got that Arkansas snow goose hunt, um, which won't be cold. It'll be like 40 degrees. It'll be really nice. Um, yeah, so that's, that's basically what my year looks like. I'll, I'll end up coming home. Uh, cause I currently live in Wisconsin. I'll end up going home for like Christmas and, uh, I'm sure we'll end up doing another duck hunt in Southern Illinois, just either on the Mississippi or Ohio river, just hanging out, uh, just with the family. And, uh, I'll probably do one more trip in November back out to Montana. I'd love to fill both those elk tags. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm pretty open to just about anything. Um, I've killed, uh, several cow elk before, so I'm hoping for a nice bull, but I'm not opposed to taking another cow elk. Like they eat just as good.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you what, man even at right now two sitting two for four on your tags that's a pretty good percentage if this was baseball you'd be in the hall of fame and (laughs) but still just the the opportunities that you have left i mean those are i mean you have the um the chance to come away you know to start 2023 with a ton of really really good wild game in the freezer
0: Uh, absolutely it's uh it was a great year on just the tag draw stuff like I have a kind of a i have a top secret tag like point buying system that i can't talk about oh, all right uh, that's fair unless you join the afi then you get an email where i explain it all in a youtube video so that's worth 25 <laughs> bucks right there yeah but it is. uh basically where i've been putting in for years in a couple of states to where literally at this point moving forward every year i'll draw at least one big game tag in one of these three or four these four states moving forward like it won't always be the best tag but when you have like a constant buildup of three points, like you're not going to get a pretty terrible area either. Right. So no, I'm sorry. this is the first year that worked out and I actually worked out way better than I thought it would. I just drew a bunch of tags all over the place. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. This year is going to be like the big game year. And I'm thinking next year, I'm just going to focus on taking the dog out. I'd love to get after some ptarmigan in Colorado. Uh, I'd love to get down to the Southwest to get after some of those quail and Let's make it a year of the dog, man. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right, Trevor, where can people learn uh, or join or just find out more about the Armed Forces Initiative?
0: Yeah, so go to backcountryhuntersandanglers.org, or you can just go to the Google machine and type in BHA. And if you scroll past Boston Housing Authority, which is going to be the first one, (sighs) where the second thing that pops up on Google, uh, you'll go to programs, which will have our like collegiate youth program. You'll have our hunting for sustainability program, which is all about teaching people like new hunters and anglers, like how to use their, uh, what they're hunting or fishing for, uh, to live for meat, for butchering skills, really cool program. And then you have the armed forces initiative. So if you click the armed force initiative button, it takes you to our page. Um, I think I have my email listed about eight times on here. <laughs> um, but if you can't find it, it's H U B B S at backcountry It's just my name. Find me on uh, on Instagram at Red Dog Outdoor Media because I hunt with Red Dogs, um, A- BHA AFI is uh, is its own Instagram page, or um, on Facebook, pretty much uh, pretty much everywhere. You can also just email Armed Initiative at BackcountryHunters.org. org. But no matter what you do, make sure you sign up for an Armed Forces Initiative membership which you can just go to bha.org, type in join BHA, hit that military member button. It's only $25, and all those proceeds go to me putting these camps on. Camps cost about $1,700 for five days, which is still super cheap, and we're happy to keep it that way. But uh, like, that's not the cost per individual. That's my cost that we, we absorb as a program. So, yeah, and if you join before Veterans Day, which will be – this week, when this comes out, yep. Uh, you get entered to win, like you got a Vortex package, we have a Walton's package, we've got some Benchmade knife sharpener package, Mystery Ranch, uh, First Light Gear, and the First Light Gear package, I'm going to have somebody pick it out for you, so if you win that, you get to talk to either like, it'll probably be either Ryan Callahan or Clay Newcomb, whoever has the less tight schedule, Okay. and you get to hop on the phone with them for 30 minutes, and they'll tell you what to buy with your money, well with my money, but
1: anyway, so that'll be great. No, Does that makes sense. Yeah, no, out? that's yeah, ton of places to to check out or to email to to get involved and yeah, like you said, I know you guys are running the membership drive um, through Veterans Day, so yeah, it's a great opportunity to to sign up, get involved, and and continue the mission of AFI.
0: Yeah, it's a great program. Really appreciate uh, you letting me come on today, Marcus. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Trevor Hubs. Thank you so much, man. Uh Good luck the rest of the way here, and look forward to talking to you again in the future.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care. All right. Well, thank you again to Trevor for joining me today. Uh, also, thank you to all the guests uh, that have joined me over the past six weeks to uh, really celebrate Org Month here on the podcast. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast: Hardside Hydration, Stone Glacier, Go Hunt, Outdoor Class, and of course, Two Percent for Conservation. And be sure to go out support the brands that I just mentioned, the companies I just mentioned here, um, and yeah, support them because. Uh, Their support allows me to continue to do this podcast and uh, bring this to you, uh, bring all these great guests to you week after week. And if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where they're going to post only positive conservation-driven content in your feeds there. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Stay tuned um, next week as we get kind of back to our regularly, regularly scheduled programming with some great guests coming up. So until next week, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.